Welcome to the Learner-Centered Spaces podcast, where we empower and inspire ownership of learning. Sponsored by Mastery Portfolio. Hosted by Star Saxstein and Crystal Frommer. In each episode, we will bring you engaging conversations with a wide variety of educators, both in and out of the classroom. This podcast is created for educators who want to learn more about how to make the shift toward learner-centered spaces for their students, schools, and districts, or education at large. The Learner-Centered Spaces podcast is now a member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. We are so excited to have Dr. Matthew Woods on the show today. He has served for more than 13 years assisting students, educators, and schools in a variety of roles. His professional experience includes being a high school social studies teacher, a middle and high school assistant principal, middle school principal, director of student support services, an adjunct professor, and a field instructor for student teachers. Additionally, Dr. Woods hosts an education podcast, Leading Out the Woods, and is an accomplished keynote speaker, educational consultant, and author. We're so excited to talk to you. Can you tell us a little bit about like, what started you on your current journey? Yeah, um, I was one of those, uh, I guess, kids that growing up, um, I actually come from a, a, a family of educators. So the last thing I wanted to do, ladies, if I'm being completely honest, was be an educator, right? You know, um, my mom was a, a high school science teacher and transitioned into a uh, administrator herself. So I saw the, I guess, the daily grind. And I remember thinking, you know, growing up and then even telling some of my friends, hey, I, I never want to do that. You know, I don't want to stay up late grading lesson plans. Lord knows I don't want to become an administrator and get yelled at by people because, you know, you have to make tough decisions. Right. And um, it just so happened. I think I was maybe 16 or 17. Um, my mom and I were at the store one day and this lady saw her and um, I always tell her all the time. It was the way this lady looked at her. Like she was like, oh, my God, you're just like the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. So she like ran up, gave my mom a hug. Um, and in full transparency, y'all, I think my mom actually forgot who, who she was. Like I could kind of see the look on her face. But this lady was just so enamored with my mom and just said, oh, my God, you changed my life. You were like the best teacher I ever had. Thank you so much. She, I remember she was introducing my mom uh, to her son. And then of course, my mom was like, you know, this is my son. And I remember just during that whole interaction, just looking at the way that lady looked at my mom and how she spoke so highly of her. Um, and then, you know, she kind of walked off and I remember quizzing my mom. like, Hey, do you remember her? And she's like, ah, vaguely. Honey, you know, she was one of, you know, one of the kids in my, my science class back in the day. And, you know, mom remembered some pieces, but it was just seeing how she made such an impact. And I remember I always said to myself, like, I want somebody to look at me the same way. And to be honest with y'all, that's what really then led me into the career I'm in now. I love that story so much, Matthew. And I kind of giggled and realized I was muted when when you said, you know, I definitely did not want to be a teacher. That was kind of <laughs> that was kind of my experience too, even though everyone in my family kind of knew that's what I was headed for. Uh, so I could totally empathize with that and relate on so many levels. Um, and what an amazing thing for you to be able to see for you to be inspired 
to do that. I mean, your mom must have been amazing for that person to remember her and have made that impact. So, you know, kudos Definitely. to her. Definitely. And it was, and it started was to say, it was, I, I remember it was so surreal and it was really like that light bulb moment went off for me where I was like, Hey, you know, that's, you know, I want to be a, be a teacher. You know, I remember telling her and she was like, what? You've never like talked about, she said, if anything, you've said you hated, you know, you didn't want to do this. And I'm like, I think I want to. And I will have to say, ladies, I always tell people, I feel like it allowed me to make very big connections at earlier points in my career. Because I would tell, I remember telling a uh, education professor, like, you don't really have to explain to me what it's like staying up late grading papers. Or giving up the weekends doing lesson plans. And for your listeners out there, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess, old enough or not too young and I, young enough. I don't know the best way to say it, show my age, but you know, before you had the good old internet just to look up all your resources, where sometimes you actually had to open up a old fashioned book and, you know, get your, you know, your plans and things together. So I remember seeing that and, I kind of like knew, I guess what I'm saying is ladies, I, I kind of knew what I was getting into, if that makes sense. It should so, so a lot of the, I remember some of the things that the hurdles that some of my colleagues would talk about, you know, when, when a lot of us were like brand new, you know, in the classroom, or even when I made the transition into administration, there were certain things where I was like, well, does, you know, this comes with the job, like, you know, this, this is kind of, what it is. And it's taken me a while in my career to really think about how blessed I was and fortunate to see that to, to kind of help me make these connections and get me to where I'm at now. That's so, so amazing. And to that end, I'm, I'm certain that the connections also have helped you build learner-centered spaces. So yes. can you share a little bit, what does a learner-centered space look like, feel like, sound like to you Um, a learner, a, lear, a learner, le excuse me, sorry, getting tongue tied right now, Lee, sorry. To me, a learner centered space looks like active engagement from the students. It feels like everybody has input and is engaged and it sounds like a variety of ideas and and perspectives are being shared in, in in some shape or fashion. Okay, so I think a lot of times when we hear this term, you know, learner centered space, I often say to folks if they're being very honest with themselves, right? And I'm talking about like as a broad perspective, educators, it should make you feel a little uncomfortable at first. You know, even if you have the right intention and say, hey, I want to create a learner centered space, it should make you feel a, almost like a um, imposter syndrome. Like, hey, I'm supposed to be the teacher. You know, I'm supposed to be the, the smartest person in the room. Right. But what we're really trying to get educators to see is that you're more of a facilitator and you want those students really kind of pulling in on their experiences and knowledges and have them really kind of help lead the the um, you know those um, those tentacles that'll branch out from whatever the curriculum is, right? So like if whatever the standard is for the day, 
you know, letting the students start diving into those perspectives and share like, you know, I've heard of this guy named Abraham Lincoln, but, you know, I only saw him on a commercial or I saw him on this this five dollar bill. And and then really kind of letting the kids, you know, obviously you're facilitating. So you're still guiding it back towards what are we talking about for the day? Right. But you're letting them really kind of own that space and really come at it from a variety of ways. So as long as that is occurring, no matter how it looks, it feels, it sounds, then you're on the, the right path. I really like what you said about it feels uncomfortable at first because I, I very much relate to that because there are times, and I, I hope this doesn't mean I'm like a controlling person, but there are times in my seventh grade math class, I feel like, oh, I've lost them. They're, we're going off the rails. We're getting too loud. And then I, I have to pause and be like, well, that's what I intended. I intended them for, if, I intended for the lesson to go the direction that they're leading because they're, they're so interested and they're so excited about what we're doing. But I do get that little tinge of discomfort. And I, I love that you articulated that. So thank you for that because I, I think that that's a obstacle that some teachers, if they do want to venture into the learner-centered space world, that's an obstacle they do have to overcome of just being okay with the discomfort, right? And yeah. yeah. Well, my, my next question I have for you about learner-centered spaces, and this is something that I also struggle with as a teacher who is really trying to lean into this, is how do you assess students? I know we have formative and summative, and and what, what are your ideas around assessment in a learner-centered space? For, for me, I think the, the tell-all be-all is if you're really coming at it from a, a backwards design, and you're really thinking about like, what is actually my like, and like, what is my goal like, or the goal for the students? Right. Um, and, and I tell folks a lot of times when I, when I pose that question, I'm always shocked sometimes that folks really don't know what the, what the end goal is, because I've heard, and, and I'm thinking of examples where I've worked with teachers and even administrators, they'll say, well, like, you know, I need the kid to do this, but I want them to do this. And I'm like, well, okay, those are two different goals. But, you know, your assessment is doing this. So like when we're doing this lesson or, you know, you're doing this 50 minute hour and a half, however long your instruction is, like, what is it that needs to happen? And typically it's it should be one of the one of the following. And I, for the listeners out there, I want you to think about it. Either it's very clear and you have clarity, like it's blah, blah, blah. Or you're just rambling, okay? If you find yourself rambling, then you need to pause and recalibrate because you're not clear. So if you're not clear, when I start diving into, in this case, your lesson plan or your, like, I'm going to throw it out for my administrators out there, your school improvement plan, well, then it's a jumbled mess. And it it doesn't make sense because it's not clear because you're not clear. But if you can tell me and sum it up, this is what the kids need to be doing today. This is the the plan I have for them. These are the goals. Okay, well, cool. Now let's backwards design. Let's let's build that out. And what I found, ladies, is that when you do that, it doesn't make a learner-centered space feel so overwhelming. Because at the end of the day, I know exactly where I'm trying to take the kids. So it might look a little crazy at first from the beginning, 
But that's okay because at the end of the day, I know where that North Star is. I know exactly where I'm leading them. And long as I can get all of my students there, then then we're good. So I have a follow-up to that, Matthew. I, I was thinking as you were listening, and I'm really glad that you brought up administration. I was working with a team today on something like what you just described. We were talking about the assessments they were doing. We were trying to get clarity, making sure they were aligned to um, objectives. They, they, in this case, standards that were aligned, you know, with the state's expectations and how we were going to assess kids formatively about these things in a meaningful way and also trying to help them understand that having a holistic rubric doesn't necessarily have, a, have to equate to grading them, but it's more of a feedback for instructional purposes. So as an instructional leader, when you're talking to your people about that backward design, how do you help them get clear and help them see that what they're doing right now isn't what they think it's doing? Does that make sense? It, it, no, it does. It does. I think it first, it, it starts with just some very um, broad questions, you know, like, and, and it's almost like that whole, like, that whole soft, I'm leading you into it, if that makes sense. You know, kind of like in a classroom, a lot of us will say, like, we need to have some type of hook or a bell ringer, right? So it's the same way when you're working with, with, with educators, just like, okay, so let's talk about this. So here's what, you're, you're trying to do. Okay. And, and I like to play dumb. Okay. I like to walk in there and say, okay, I, I, I think I kind of got this, but I'm, I might be the one confused. So I need you to help clarify star, right? I need you to clarify what you, what you meant by this. So I'm hearing you say this, but it sounds like to me, we're going here. Is that correct? And normally people don't realize it. They'll start saying, no, 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 no. What I really meant was da, 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 da. Okay, well, well, when I'm reading what you just said or looking at this, this is this is how I'm interpreting. Now, other people might interpret it my way; they might not. But hey, maybe how could we kind of clear this up so folks like me—remember, I'm putting myself out there, right? Being the guinea pig. Hey, where folks like me don't get confused by this, or maybe like your students. And it's a nice way of kind of getting back to what the real issue is, and the real issue is it wasn't clear in the first place but it doesn't feel very confrontational, right? It lets people kind of come to that understanding themselves. And then one of two things should really happen, right? One, they should say, oh, you know what? It was making sense in my mind, but I can see how this isn't clear. And for a lot of us, a good example of that is if we write something and we read it and we go, okay, well, it's clear to me, but then I give it to you all and you're like, oh, Matt, you're missing, you're missing a couple words here. Or you got this run old sentence. But when I read it, I didn't see it, right? The other piece that will happen is if they don't initially come to that, they'll then be more receptive in hearing the feedback. They'll say, well, uh, okay, I, yeah, it, I guess I, I see how it's not clear for you or maybe some others, but I still, I'm still missing, missing the piece. So start can kind of walk me through a strategy on how to do this. And that way, once again, you're still getting to that same end goal, but you're really kind of meeting people where they're at. It sounds like what you're describing is very much an instructional coach model, 
where you're using curiosity and inquiry to to help even not just the you know students because they they can benefit from coaching but also the adults that you're working with the teachers and so um, I think a lot of listeners would appreciate just coming from that questioning and 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 getting the person to dig themselves into their own lesson and dig into what they really want the outcomes to be for their students. Do you have do you have experience with instructional coaching? It sounds very much like you do. Well, I mean, I was never, I guess, a traditional instructional. I was always when I had kind of left the classroom, I was always in an administrative role. So like as a assistant principal, a principal or, you know, as a director. Um, but what I would say, though, and, and I'll be honest, with you, it, it took me a while in my career to, to really kind of to to figure this out. And I and I say this to folks all the time, especially aspiring coaches or administrators, or even I would say teachers in the classroom, right, with students. There's only really when you when you boil it down a lot, there's only a handful of things that are so urgent that you have to say no, star crystal, like you have to do it this way, like like you have to do this like from an admin standpoint like if there's a certain policy or a law or something about safety it's like this is non-negotiable like this is the law we, we have to do it this way right when you get past those things most things you can collaborate with somebody on or you can at least give people some time to kind of see maybe where they're seeing a blind spot and lead them towards the finish line in a more productive way. And I'll be honest, it, it took me it took me a while in my career to really appreciate that more because I tell folks, you know, it's easier to, to lead the charge and go by yourself. But the problem is, especially from a leadership standpoint, it's not sustainable because like if you leave, that charge is gone. And, and usually, and I throw this out to any educator or listener out there, you if you've ever been around somebody and they're so amazing and they're doing all this stuff, but then they leave and it's, and it's gone and it's not sustained. So what that means was, even though they did a great job, right, it did great work, there wasn't anything there that helped keep those systems in place to keep that, that energy, that vibe going, right? But then you've seen, I've seen other places and other leaders who are amazing as well and teachers as well. But they were able to build these systems and do some of these things that I'm talking about in a way that allows everything to be sustained. And that's the the, the key behind all of it. When you talk about instructional coaching, talk about administration, talk about in the classroom or with students, you have to have those systems in place where everything that you're doing can be sustainable. So, Matthew, if, if you could think of people that you think really exemplify this work? Who do you want to shout out that deserve recognition and can sort of help others get to where you are? Oh man, y'all putting me on the spot because I can think of so many people, but then I can think of people like, oh man, I'm going to listen to us and be like, I can't believe I left them out. So um, people to, to shout out. Um, one was someone I worked with, uh, Miss Sharon Simpson. Uh, to this day, I tell folks she was the best teacher that I've ever had contact with. Um, she was a science teacher, and I saw her pull more out of students, out of students that, and I'm going to be real transparent, 
that most people would be like, oh my God, I, I'm lucky to get that kid from, from, from point A to point B. If I can get them there, I've shown amazing growth. She could do things with kids that I'll be honest, y'all, I've, I have yet to see on a consistent basis from, from other folks. Um, you know, Ms. Simpson, if you're listening, Lord knows she's retired now, but I tell her all the time, like she is the person that I would want teaching all my kids. Um, she, she just, she just got it ladies. I mean, it, it's hard to describe. And, and I tell folks when we talk about, in this case, learn, learner centered spaces, right? Every time I spoke to her, every time I had a conversation with her, she was always talking about what else she could do for students. Every time, every time. I've never met someone like that in my, since my career, you know, since I've had contact with like, she could, I, I could go y'all and, and say like, Hey, you know, we need to have a debrief about your, you know, your uh, uh, observation. Yep. Matt, I was already thinking I should have done blah, 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 blah. And yeah, I know these kids got it, but blah, 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 blah. And here's how I'm looking at this data. Like, oh my goodness. Uh, she would be like, uh, you know, this summer I'm getting with some of my colleagues. We're doing these spiral notebooks for for vertical planning. I, I mean, she was just always thinking about it. And I want to make sure I point out to people she was already a seasoned vet, y'all. She was already a educator for like 30 plus years. So, I mean, she had the energy of someone like brand new who's like, hey, I'm just trying to try this stuff out. I mean, she was doing all this stuff at such a high level. And I remember, and I told her this later, when I was going to the school, because this is back in the day when I was an assistant principal at a school, and I was asking different people, hey, tell me about these different teachers. Tell me about people, you know, what's good, what's good, bad. I remember I would say, hey, tell me about Miss Sharon Simpson. And I remember everybody would pause, everybody, parents, students, other administrators, you name it. People would pause and say, yo, there's only one Sharon Simpson. Like, yeah, 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 there's other good people, but she's like just in a class by herself. So definitely got to give shout out to Miss Simpson. Um, another person that I would give a shout out for learner centered spaces and this was actually a professor of mine, uh, Dr. Marianne Norman. She was my education professor. She always, she was doing flipped classrooms and learner centered spaces, in my opinion, at higher ed before I think it started becoming a little no more norm, if that makes sense. Um, because I hadn't really seen someone at the higher ed level do that. And she was already actively talking about, you all should be facilitating the learning. You should be pulling in what the children are doing. And I remember like you, you didn't, I, you know, you, you just didn't hear other people really saying that, or at least Lord knows I did in my experiences. But she was really guiding a lot of us that I remember that were in this, in our education department at the time to do that. And I, and I have to give, give a shout out to, like I said, Dr. Norman and, and my um, alma mater, Ferrum College, because our education program, when I look at the, the crew of us that graduated, y'all, there's like several of us who've been teachers of the year, administrators of the year, um, oh God, ASCD emerging leaders. Like, like I think about some of the awards that a lot of us have won and some of the accomplishments that we've done. And a lot of us, when we all talk, we all just give give kudos. We're like, yo, Dr. Norman, like Dr. Norman was already telling us students should be 
at the, the, the center of everything you're doing. You should be facilitating learning. You should be making sure you're going above and beyond for that rigor. And like I said, those are the two, if you're putting me on the spot right now, that I'd have to say we're definitely doing a lot for learner-centered spaces. But I will have to say, in my opinion, we're doing it before you really started hearing it, you know, hearing, the, I guess, that terminology and so forth. So, Matthew, as we wrap up, where can our listeners find you online? Where can they connect with you? Gotcha. Like I said, ladies, thank you again for having me on here. Um, you can find me online. Uh, the best way really is uh, if you go to my website, that's www.leadingoutthewoods.com. It'll link you to, to all of my information. The other way to really find me is um, if you're online, if you are on um, X, which was, you know, formerly Twitter, I'm at Wood from a Woods. So once again, that's at Wood from a Woods. Those are the two best ways to, to, to reach out and connect with me. And, I, you know, I always try to get back to folks. If you shoot me a DM or, or go to my website, send me an email. I do my best to reply to everybody. So look forward to connecting with you. And everyone should also check on Amazon for your latest book. Yes? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Please, please uh, go check it out. Uh, my latest uh, leadership book uh, that's Leading Out the Woods, Nurturing School Etiquette for Success. I pretty much, um, it actually came from uh, a presentation or a presentation that I've given a gazillion times. I've lost count. And it talks about a lot of the strategies that I use with classroom teachers, with administrators, with district leaders on how to nurture proper school etiquette. So the way students should be respectful, the way they should interact with one another. Um, like I said, we have a lot of different strategies in there. It is a very, very practical book. It's written intended for practitioners. So we, it's really right to the point. A lot of strategies you can implement immediately. And uh, yeah, y'all should definitely check it out. Great. We'll have a link to all of those in our show notes. And we appreciate your time, Dr. Woods. Thank you. Thank Thank you for learning with us today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. If you'd like any additional information from the show, check out the show notes. Learn more about Mastery Portfolio and how we support schools at masteryportfolio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mastery for All and on LinkedIn on the Mastery Portfolio page. And we'd love your feedback. Please write a review on your favorite podcasting app.